author Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Wyatt Durrett is joining us. He's an award-winning hit songwriter. He's the co-writer of a dozen number one songs. He's the recipient of BMI, CSAC, and Country Music Association Awards. The songs of Wyatt Durrett have been recorded by the Zac Brown Band and or performed by artists like Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett. Wyatt Durrett is also a performer himself, and it's a great pleasure to welcome you here. How are you, sir? I'm doing, doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a great honor. Where are you right now? I am in Charleston, South Carolina at the moment, actually in my car between, uh, <laughs> we, I'm in the process of opening a taqueria in my hometown as well. So I am, I'm in, I'm going to pick up a sign for that particular taco place. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so your home is in the Carolinas. Yes, sir. I live in Charleston, South Carolina, a little, a little place on one of the islands off the coast of action. Beautiful, beautiful area. Where were you it born? It sure is. I was born and raised in, I was born in Fairfax, Virginia. I uh, lived there till I was about 12 and then moved, my whole family moved to Richmond, Virginia, and that's where everybody is now. So that's home. What do you credit your love of music and songwriting to? Um, my father, mostly. He just, he, you know, he writes poetry and stuff, so I know I probably got some of the technical side from him as well but he just loved country music and the stories behind the songs and ever since i remember being around on the way to any games or anything like that we were listening to music and he was telling me to listen to the words and how funny they were or sad or, or whatever whatever it may be and i fell in, fell in love at a very young age about the power of a song and, and telling a story i know his profession uh, lawyer but what is the guy like your father <laughs> he's awesome, man. I mean, he's, he's my hero, but, uh, you'd never know. I mean, he's always in a Jimmy Buffett shirt and, and shorts and flip-flops if he's not in the courtroom. But, uh, he's a, he's a great man, a family man, a, a thinker, one of the most intelligent guys I've ever met, but also, uh, has made it very, you know, he's, I'm one of eight children. So a big old family, he has 17 grandchildren. So that's pretty much his life is practicing law and spending time with his family. And, the family part always involves music in some manner. I've seen, I've seen sixty some Buffett concerts with him probably over the years. <laughs> so uh, it's funny. He's a very laid back man, but a bulldog when he needs to be in the courtroom. So, <laughs> well, you just mentioned they're coming from a big family. So, paint a picture for us. What was a, a typical day like for you growing up? <laughs> Organized chaos when there was that many, many heads in the house at once it was great i mean there was always people around always things going on like when i was my early high school years late middle school years that's when kind of everybody was around and you know we sat down and had dinner every night and you know it was more of a buffet couldn't really put it all in the middle of the table but um it, it was always something going on everybody played sports you know up until recently when we sold my you know our our home and in Virginia up until the last day, every Sunday, the whole family came over to hang out, watch football, swim, uh, very close family still to this day. 
I don't remember if it was at that crossroads taping or where it was, but there was one event that I went to and I was seated next to one of your sisters and she was telling me about you writing from just very, very early on. So tell us about that. What was the earliest things that you remember writing? Oh, I remember the first song I wrote. I've, I ever wrote. It was uh, called To Be In Love when I was 11 years old. Like I had any idea what, what that meant <laughs> back then. But, you know, and then I just always, you know, that was the first one. And I always just filled journals with stuff that I never really thought would be. You know, I wrote more for me than I did anything else. That The, the faraway star of having that this kind of success with it, that didn't cross my mind for a long time, really until I met Zach. But um, played sports through high school and stuff. And then it was just, I always just wrote one, you know, as an outlet to get it off my chest, whatever that thing was, or always just felt the need to write it down for whatever reason. Glad I did, I guess. But <laughs> So it was almost kind of therapeutic for you. For sure. And still is to this day. It's definitely my way of expressing myself, for sure. So, do you write anything other than lyrics? Um, no, I mean, I've written poems and stuff like that, and, and some of them turn into songs, some some of them don't. But, overall, no. I mean, that's pretty much just songs. And I mean, I have things where I'll brain dump and you just write to write and get it out of your head, you know, and maybe pull from it to be songs. But I've never written anything past that, no. When did you start kind of conceptualizing or thinking about melodies to go along with words? Uh, ever since the first song. It's always, hmm. it's always, I, I, I still know the melody to do the first one. And they, and for whatever reason, they've always come at the, always have came at the exact, the, the same time for me, the melody and the lyric. And I think maybe part of that was not playing an instrument. So I just kind of, that's just, it's, and still, that's exactly how it comes every time. The lyric and the melody kind of come to me at the same time. And I know now it's something I pay attention to more that it's, it's very, I think it's one of the reasons I've been successful is I think when you can have a lyric, the lyric, you know, is speaking to the, the um, melody and vice versa at the same, you know, just as equally. I think that's when you find the song that touches people a lot of times. Something that I've always been curious about with you, and I've, I'm so glad that you're giving me this chance to talk to you, is the fact that, you know, without playing an instrument, I'm curious, how would you express the melody or work it out? Would you hum it? How would that happen? Um, I hum it, but, but usually the lyric is like I'm singing the lyric while, you know, hmm. at the same time is kind of what's happening. And then I'll, and then I'll form the lyric around the words or form the melody, you know, form the lyric around the melody or vice versa. And, you know, it feels like this or it feels like this. And and then you also, you know, after time, you know, like the basic structure of a song and when it needs to get to a chorus or, or you know, when you're writing it, you're kind of like this feels more like a chorus than it does a verse. So you figure out which one it is and write towards it kind of thing. But hmm. they're coming, I mean, definitely I'm singing the lyric while I'm writing it. And then sometimes it's just a melody. I mean, it definitely has started with just a melody for me. And then I kind of dig through all, dig through what that melody feels like. Is it happy? Is it sad? Is it introspective? Is it those things? And then go from there. Who were some of the earliest singers that you 
came to really appreciate the the musical loves from early on. You know, all the old country I loved. My dad loved, you know, Willie Whalen, Merle, all that stuff. Chris Christopherson way back, you know, Alabama was huge. My dad loved Alabama, Charlie Daniels, Keith Whitley's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Earl Thomas Connolly, all that stuff. And then into the, you know, the Alan Jackson, Jimmy Buffett at a very young age. I went to my first concert. I was 13. I fell in love with his ability to, uh, his ability to create escapism and he's still doing it on the highest level possible today. Bruce Springsteen was another one, another storyteller that was really big on my radar. My sister took me to a show when I was young. Um, then into the Garth Brooks and things like that. So just country music in general has always been by far the biggest influence on, on me. Outside of country, Jimmy Buffett's probably dead even with that. Springsteen kind of right in that area. Um, I fell in love with, you know, on the musical side of things and the sheer power of music, I fell in love with Bob Marley and just how powerful music can be. You know, he helped bring governments together through music. So between the ability to take somebody away and not, or, or not make them feel alone or do something like that for them inside of two minutes in a song or two hours on a stage. And then also just the sheer power of the sheer power of music has all over the world is the one thing we can all agree on in some way has always been very, you know, very important to me and what kind of made me fall in love with it. And what is the, it's the exact same reason I love it today <laughs> to tell you the truth. I'm just a giant fan. I want to call to the attention of all the listeners out there. If they go on iTunes, they can stream or download this podcast. And in it, you talk about, I really like what you had to say. It's, it's called Under the Influence with John Driscoll Hopkins. And you pick the songs that influenced you the most. But then in between, you guys are chatting about different things. You're talking about how country music is something that some people might say is sappy or corny but you feel like it's real life. And sure. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about some of the country songs that have resonated with you and what you like about the kind of overall message. Yeah, it's hard. It's, <laughs> picking particular songs is hard. But um, again, you know, for me, it really is just, especially in country music, um, some people know, some people don't. You know, it's 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 just as much about the songwriters as it is the people performing them on stage. And there's a lot of guys in Nashville, guys and, and you know, women and men that are amazing songwriters that may never see, you know, people may never know who they are, but they wrote some of the, the biggest and best songs people have heard on the radio in the past who knows how many years. But with that, most of the time, these songs came from somebody's life, somebody's story. And that's always been... That, that's always something that uh, that has that I try to keep in mind is very important to me. That it's usually came from a real place, no matter no matter it happy, sad, mad, or otherwise. For me, it's hard to pick. Like, there's so many songs that mean so much to me, but like, that's such a hard question. <laughs> like a great love song to me, one of my favorite songs, and in its delivery, is "I Can't Make You Love Me." That's the one that comes to mind a lot when people ask me, like the portrayal of just raw emotion and, and, and love or unlove for that matter. That song's always really hit home to me. You know, there's a song called Flies on the Butter 
that Winona Judd sings that uh, I believe Hank Cochran and I forget who else wrote the song. That's one of my favorite songs just because of the perfect description the, the writers give in the song and the picture. You know, our job is to paint a picture inside of two minutes, whether it's emotional or literal. And sometimes, you know, you get it just right and they got it just right on that one. So that's definitely one of my favorites. Something that's really, I think, interesting about your story is the time that you spent in the real world of a bar or restaurant. I have a feeling or an opinion. People who work in restaurants and bars, they end up having incredible stories, incredible life experiences. You learn so many things, how to deal with people. I'm hoping you can tell us about what you learned from your time at the Dixie Tavern. Um, just humanity, <laughs> all shapes and sizes, you know, I think that's one of our jobs as songwriters for sure is, to, you know, besides telling the truth is, is to be, to be aware and be paying attention to what's going on around you and, uh, what better place to, uh, what better fish, fish bowl to be looking inside of than a, than a bar, you know, just all walks of life, you know, you know, all different, different different parts of society and your job in general anyways, as a bartender and a server and stuff is to pay attention. And folks, <laughs> folks tend to tell you more than they tell other people as a bartender too. So that's where a lot of the stories came from. But those, you know, for me, the, 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 the words, the human condition are ones I think about all the time when I'm writing, you know, how would that make me feel? How would that smell? How would that taste? How would that, you know, those kinds of things, you know, how would that make me sad or mad? Why would it? Those kinds of things. And I think all of that kind of stuff is, I, I definitely took a lot of what I do and um, the examination of people and stuff like that from being in the restaurant and bar business. One of the reasons I love it is, is that in general. A short while ago, you were talking about how you'd seen about 60 Buffett concerts with your father. Yeah, I'd say between, or you know, in the 50s or, or low 60s, and I've seen them somewhere in the 80s total, but I've probably seen oh, 50 or 60 of those with my dad. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Buffett, I think, is somebody who a lot of people maybe would think of as one thing, this party guy, but at times can just be incredibly introspective. He's written some great ballads. And I'm hoping you can tell us why does Wyatt Durrett have such respect for Jimmy Buffett? Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's lots of reasons. I mean, he if if you want to look at it from a business aspect, he's a mogul. I mean, he's written four bestsellers. He's made you know quote probably forty something albums. He's got a Broadway show right now. He's got the Margaritaville franchise, which he's turned into hotels, which he's turned into uh, you know retirement living. Um, just a, you know, what a visionary, all the, you know, all these things, rums, margaritas, you name it, the man has his hand on everything. Um, so as a, that, that's, it's like its own thing. And then just, you know, for me, it was always the songwriting and just his ability to, to take you there, to take you to that place and, and never, never wavering, you know, the way he has done things in his music or otherwise has always, that's definitely one, you know, I'd say those are the reasons for sure. Um, he's never wavered on who he is as an artist in any way, shape, or form. 
since I remember seeing him. Nothing has changed in that category. And then, you know, I've always, I'm a, I live on the beach here now and I've always been a big old beach bum. And I still, the other day I was out on a boat two days ago and I was listening, that's who I was listening to is 1970 something Jimmy Buffett out there. Could you pick a favorite Jimmy Buffett song? Um, probably my favorite is probably that's what living is to me. Oh, I good love choice. The, I love the, uh, I think the chorus, our words to live by be good and you will be lonesome, be lonesome. You will be free, live a lie and you'll live to regret it. That's what living is to me. So I think if you, uh, those are it's just, I, I really, I brought all those words have always meant a lot to me for sure. It has to be incredible for you being the fan of Jimmy Buffett that you are for him to one record duets uh, of songs that you co-wrote, but also sometimes performing your songs in his concerts. Yeah, it really is. It's still surreal to me. It's still like I was, it, it doesn't get old. It's still just, it still blows me away when I get to go to a show, he stays and, and he usually performs a couple and, uh, it's, and I always have a big old smile on my face and just kind of that really like this really happened. Cause you know, you get busy and you start running around, but that moment never gets old. I'm still a little kid going, I can't believe this guy is singing something I wrote. <laughs> hmm. I want you to tell us about another thing that you're involved in. It's called, it's a, it's a, an apparel line living life, man. Tell us yes. about that. Yeah, LLM Apparel is a message-based lifestyle apparel company. It is about your life in positive motion and and about the you know celebrating the fact that we have the choice every day to be who we want to be and you know choose to give more than you take, choose to be better than you were yesterday, choose to come together because we're different, not in spite of. That's kind of our message. We started uh, it here in Charleston, South Carolina, with our partner who is the artist in in all the all the graphics. Everything, like all the shirts and all the hats, uh, Alex Saunders and my wife, Kelly Durrett is the uh, CEO and runs the company. Um, we sell a variety of, it's all outdoor wear. We sold a variety of, uh, trucker hats, t-shirts, solar shirts. We're getting into sweat, you know, a lot of different stuff come out, a handful of ladies line, you know, ladies apparel as well. We're in about 50 some stores in the Southeast and growing. And, um, it's really, it's really started to, uh, do its thing and, I'm proud, you know, the thing that drew me towards it was I write about a lot of those things about about life and trying to be better at life and making sure you love as hard as you can and all those things. And so the company, the idea really spoke to me when I heard it. So, yeah, I think we're, we're trying to do our part in the world and trying to make it a little better place at the same time. That's why I think um, I'm really happy to be a part of it for sure. What does that mean to you, living life? Um, well, living well, I think, I think it means everything we just talked about. You gotta make sure you, you love the people around you and let them know that every day. Make sure you wake up every day to try to be a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. Make sure you take time to laugh and take time to cry and take time to have long meals with your family and make that extra phone call in the morning and give somebody a smile that looks like they needed that day or it's all in the little things. And, and I, you know, I know it sounds trite in some ways, but I've really trying to solve all those problems in a very big way. That seems daunting to me. I, I, what our message is and what we want 
you know, our logo to remind people every day is if, if everybody just did a little something different and took the time to do the things that we speak about, it's going to, you know, your, your world immediately is going to be a better place. And in turn, I think ours could be, you know. Hmm. And everyone out there, they can find out more about that. It's LLMapparel.com. That's right. LLMapparel.com. And, you know, that's basically, that's the name of, for uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. You've got this clothing line. I see that as kind of an extension of you in your efforts, your efforts to touch people or to, to find something that will resonate. You've written these songs and there's no better way to get into someone's heart, to dig into someone's soul than a song. I'm hoping you can tell us What's something that someone has told you, a listener, a fan, that's touched you? You know, there's been there's been so many, and and they and they do they hit home every time. I mean, I've had a lot of people come to me and talk about you know the song whatever it is, and they they got married to it. You know, it was their dance, and which you know very touching. The song you decide to spend the rest of your life with somebody with is a song that I wrote and. Um, Highway 20 has been, um, that's probably the one that touches me the most. Cause I was a very, obviously very hard time going through divorce and having to separate from your child and stuff like that. And definitely one of the hardest times of my life and writing that song helped me get through it. That and a whole lot of love from everybody involved. And, um, so that's touches me a lot when people come up and tell me, you know, you made me feel not alone in in my, in my pain with that song, knowing that you'd gone through it too. And that's that's the kind of stuff that made me want to do it to begin with and drives me to do it every single day. And, I, you know, I re- received things from people online talking about bittersweet and how they lost their mom. And, you know, that song did the same for them or people trying fighting cancer and saying we put y'all's music on every day to make us happy and wake us up. And it's incredibly humbling, incredibly flattering. It never gets old. It's the reason I fell in love with it. It's the reason I'm still in love with it. It's just such a powerful, powerful thing that we should not take for granted. You've shared co-writing credits with some very, very interesting songwriters and a diverse number. I mean, in addition to Zach Brown, who we've talked a little bit about, you have a co-writing credit with Mac McAnally, with Jason Mraz, probably others, but... I'm curious, who would you like to write with that you haven't yet? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've been so lucky to work with someone like some of the biggest and the best. You know, I'd be curious to sit down with somebody recent. I would say Chris Stapleton. I'd love to write a song with him. Well, Chris, if you're listening, you know what to do. <laughs> so are you writing a lot now i am i just like i said i just well i was trying to get this restaurant open so that's been a lot of my focus but i i and last week i was in nashville monday through friday writing and then i also started a retreat um a writer retreat called isle of so i live on isle of palms but i started a writer retreat called isle of songs where i bring a handful of writers from a publishing company and or label to come down um, and stay at the house and brought in and like bring in like brought in a James Beard award winning chef and 
kind of created this, my idea is to create this atmosphere just full of all kinds of inspiration, the touch, the smell, the taste, all those things. And then uh, we sit around and write for a few days. So I just had my second, my second one of those happen and ended Wednesday. So I've actually dove back in pretty hard since last Monday I wrote, I have written 10 songs. <laughs> so you can, you can say I'm back in the swing of things in the writing world, I guess, but. All right. Well, I'm curious, you know, you perform sometimes, and I have to say, if people go on YouTube, they can find this clip of you performing one of your songs, Knee Deep. And yeah. uh, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, but I kind of like your version of it more than the record. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. No, I, you know, I've just started having the fun doing that. I, I used to, I used to not want to be the guy on stage. I, I just, I've never been one that likes attention drawn to me anyways, let alone the, you know, the ultimate form of, but in the past couple of years, I've been doing it a lot more and I've kind of gotten past that. And me and my buddy, Levi Lowry, who I've written road colder weather with and, and some other ZB hits, he and I formed this little group called uh, yesterday's wine that we're performing under and just having a lot of fun for no other reason, but as another outlet to get the songs out and get them off our chest as well. So, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it, you know, and, and singing my version of. Um, I think everybody, as a listener, you interpret a song different, a song differently. And I think as writers, same writers on a, on one particular song can also, you know, interpret how they want to sing it or perform it different, differently as well. Whether with Le Levi Lowry or just on your own, do you ever envision someday, one day, doing a Wyatt Durrett album? Yes. Well, I, I am. I'm actually, we go in the studio to record the first three of our six song EP on July 17th for yesterday's one, me and Levi Lowry. So we are making one <laughs> as we speak. You're hearing it first here, folks. You are, actually. <laughs> <laughs> This might be a difficult question. There's no doubt the Zach Brown Band of the last 10 years is one of the most successful country bands. What do you think it is about Zach Brown that has resonated with so many people? Well, I think, for, I mean, I, I, I think first and foremost, they're all some of the baddest singers and musicians i've ever been around if not the the baddest they're, they're just all amazing in their own right and as a band i couldn't ask for a better a better group of human beings as well as you know artists and, and musicians to, to sing the songs we we have written together that's obviously a giant part and then i also believe there's there's believability in it that the songs do come from a very human place and i believe that Radio programmers and labels sometimes don't give the public enough credit that, you know, these songs, these guys are telling the truth. And I think you feel it in the music and you can tell. And I think that's what draws people to it is that we're talking about everyday stuff, you know, loving, crying, fighting, drinking, all those things mixed in one big ball. I think people are drawn to the truth of it, that they, that they know we're, we're singing about them, too. I think that's what's really made it really made it big. Now, Wyatt Durrett is a man who lives in the greater Charleston area, Isle of Palms. 
Charleston is just renowned for its food. <laughs> and here's a guy here's a guy who has a number of culinary references in his lyrics. So given that this show goes out on the FM airwaves in Charleston, what people really want to know, what is Wyatt Durrett's choice for best meal, best restaurant in Charleston? Well, of course, my restaurant hasn't opened yet, but it's going to be <laughs> Poppy's Taqueria on Isle of Palms. It's a craft taqueria we're opening. We're actually opening with, I'm sure you, you know Chef Rusty Hamlin, right, from the Zach Brown Band, or you know who I'm talking about when I say his name. Yes he's, yes, he's like does the eat and greets whatever. Well, he's the chef. He's the one who built our menu, and 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 that stuff. You know, but besides that, you know, I had to give a shameless plug. But man, I'll tell you, it is really hard to pick a restaurant. <laughs> there are so many. It, that's one thing about this town that we love. I'm a big foodie and and love the wine and all that stuff. If I had to name one besides Poppy's Taqueria, it would be Hall's Chop House. I'm a big I'm a big steak guy and and they do it better than anybody around that's for sure. What's your favorite cut of steak and how do you like it cooked? Um cowboy cut ribeye medium rare. All right. <laughs> what is the best thing about being Wyatt Durrett? Um the amazing life and the family life that the big man upstairs has given me. That's, that's my favorite part, being a dad and being a husband to my amazing family and a son to my amazing parents for, for sure. That's, that's the best thing about being me. One of the wonderful things about broadcasting is you just never know who's listening for anyone who's listening in wherever they are. What would you say to the audience? You can go anywhere you want. Hmm. That's a that's a heck of a question. Love each other, man. And make sure you listen to music. I swear it'll it'll make you it'll calm you down. But love each other. I think I and I, I know I, I just I get disappointed a lot turning on the TV and turning on the news and, and watching each other just yell at you know, everybody to each other and nothing gets solved because nobody's Nobody's trying to listen. Listen and love each other. That'd be the. That's what I would tell my kids. That's what I would tell anybody. I think the world needs a whole lot more listening and a whole lot more love. So my last question, it's also not an easy one. We had these different labels that we applied to you: Wyatt Durrett, songwriter, restaurateur. Who is Wyatt Durrett at heart? You know. Just trying, you know, I think trying to be the man my parents taught me to be all the time, all, trying to be all those things, put everything you got into, into what you love, you know, know that you're blessed beyond blessed to get to do what you love for a living, wake up and love your family every day, make sure you tell them those things. I think that is the best way to describe me because I'm just constantly trying to be all those things, trying to. While, while I fail a good bit, <laughs> as we all do, there's no doubt about that. Just a guy trying to be, trying to be the man that his parents taught him to be. <laughs> nice. Well, everyone out there, again, it's LLMapparel.com and also WyattDurette.com. Yes. Mr. Durette, 
Thank you very much. I can't thank you enough. I appreciate your time. It was great to talk to you. Great to talk to you as well. All right, man. Take care. Until next time. Sounds great. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ThePaulLeslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.